Well, turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 7. It's hermeneutics, and we're, it's, it's, people are asking, hey, are we going to do this? Are we going to do that? Are we going to study? Why don't we do this? And this is what we're doing is kind of an overview, right? Overview, kind of a... Uh, overview of hermeneutics. We've... Um, and so before we look at Joshua 7, that was homework. James, his, uh, he got me the whole way. It's at my, it's at, I left it on my desk. I did it. It's at my desk. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's like the dog ate it kind of story. But um, that's all right. We, it was kind of for homework. Some of you did it. Some of you didn't. We'll walk through it. But, um, but let's review what we've learned so far. We, we said that God has revealed himself to us, right, generally in creation and through our conscience, but also specifically through the person of Christ and through his word. And we need the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Word, uh, don't we? To help us uh, understand uh, the, the text's meaning, uh, to help us love it, to help us understand the significance of it. Um, and so as we study the Word of God, what do we need to do? We need to be prayerful. What's something, what, what might we ask the Lord to help us as we study? You get up in the morning, wipe and out, getting, you know, waking up, we open up the Word of God. What might we ask Him? Is there a verse that comes to your mind? Psalm 119 has many of those that we could open our eyes that we may see wonderful things in your law, right? Give us understanding. Um, we talked about how when we, when we study the Bible, there's kind of three steps, observation, and that's where we spend most of our time, right? We ask a lot of questions. We bombard the, the text with questions. Who, what, when, why, where? We spend most of our time there looking at the text. That's one of our problems. My problem, your problem, is we don't study, sit before the text. We don't meditate. You know, we don't think about it enough. Um, but we spend a lot of time in observation. And then what we do is that observation. Uh, Let me get that on for me. Oh, man. Just throwing that box over. Yeah, they're, they're everywhere, man. In our little vestibule over there, there's like, don't go, if you like wig you out, don't go in there, man. You'll be <laughs> the freaked out thing. But, um, yeah, we need, to, we need to not only observe, but we need to interpret the text, right? And we take all that information that we've taken in, in, in observation, uh, and then we draw some conclusions, right, about what is the meaning of the text. Why did God inspire the author write this? What does he want us to know and, and, and understand? And so we, we draw conclusions. That's the, the, the interpretation step, and that's really, really important. And then that flows right into application. Well, what do I do with it, right? We don't just study just to be, have a lot of knowledge, because what happens when we have a lot of knowledge? A lot of knowledge. With our, yeah, with our sinful nature that we all have, what happens? We all, right? We all get prideful. Yeah. How many of you struggle with pride? Self-righteousness? Anybody? Not? All right. Humble people, humble people all in the back. That's good. Um, <laughs> it is. It's a, it is. Knowledge puffs up. But knowledge is good, right? We need to understand the scriptures, but it does puff up. We do need to apply it. Um, and uh, we, we talked about how you can say, this is how the text applies to me, but you cannot say, this is what the text means to me because it has one meaning, right? And we want to get at the meaning. And um, Now, we've, we, what we're doing here is looking at each genre of Scripture. Okay? And we looked at it, the epistles. Those are the, that's probably the easiest, um, easiest to preach and teach, I think, easiest to understand. And that's kind of where we began, Philippians chapter 2. But 
when we study the epistles, what are some things we need to remember? And what, what, we're, what we're going to do is we're looking at one genre at a time. Like today, we'll finish our homework looking at the narrative text, right? Epistle, the narrative. And then today, we'll introduce the Gospels. Some things, four or five things, like bullet points, right? Things we need to remember as we study these, these different genres. And then we'll use those three methods, those three stages, those three steps. We'll do observation, interpretation, application of each uh, genre. So that's kind of where we're, where we're at. But epistles, what are some things we need to remember as we look at the epistles? He's the author. Yeah, yeah. We want to we understand the context. Context being who wrote it, who to write it to, why they write it. Right? A lot of times, more times than not, epistles, if you just read through an epistle, like Philippians, you read through it two or three times, you can pretty much understand, okay, there's several reasons why Paul wrote this letter, right? Um, yeah, we want to understand the context. What else? Audience. Yeah, the audience, we want to know the who, who he wrote it, wrote it to. So the, all that's context, all right? The background, um, where this fits in within the, you know, the, the big story of redemptive history. Okay, what else do we want to, what else do we want to remember when we study an epistle? We want another context, who wrote it, who wrote to, and, and why. What else? Remember we said we need to, we want to take note of things that are repeated, things that are compared and contrasted, things that are emphasized. Alright? You read through the book of Philippians, what's one word that sticks out a lot? Joy. Joy, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's the the joy epistle, right? Yeah. All right. We looked at Philippians chapter 2, um, verses 1 through 11, and then we introduced the narrative text, right? Narrative text makes up 40-some-odd percent of, of the, the Bible. We're in Daniel, the first six chapters. It's narrative, right? What, what are some things that we, we said we need to remember as we study narrative text? We said seven or eight. We'll remember four or five. We'll repeat those over and over, but... What are some things as we look at narrative text? Do you remember from last week? Don't take your doctrine straight from there. Yeah, narrative text typically doesn't teach doctrine, right? But it illustrates doctrine that's taught like in the epistles, right? All right, good. What else about narrative text? Descriptive, not prescriptive. Okay. Are yeah. What else? Narrative text, who's the hero? Yeah. Like, say for instance, um, Sunday's passage, Daniel chapter 3. The, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. It's awesome. Isn't that an awesome uh, account? That's just kind of fun uh, uh, chapter. But you might say, if you say, hey, what's the main point of that text? You might say, man, oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were faithful. They're willing to be thrown into the fire, you know, and that's true. They were, but who's the hero? God. Yeah, God. What is God doing? He's showing Himself more powerful than Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar throws them in there. He's going to kill them. And what does God do? God delivers them out, right? And that goes along with the what we've been learning in every chapter, right? God is mightier than all other gods, right? And His kingdom's not like. Any other kingdom, it's going to last forever, right? Yeah, so, so in narrative text, make sure we're thinking about God. God is the hero. It's kind of like David and Goliath, right? The story of David and Goliath, we like to tell that story. It's about David, David, David. You're like, man, how, did David, how was David able to kill the nine-foot Goliath? Because God was with 
God. Yeah, yeah. God's always a hero. All right. Anything else? Narrative text? What else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Author, uh, yeah. The author's comments. He'll make he'll make comments. That's that's in every genre. He'll make certain comments about things and take note of those. Anything else? Remember, um, especially we we we. Um, if if I had to ask you, those of you that've been here for a while, hey, what's your favorite book that we've studied so far? A lot of people say Ecclesiastes. Somebody say, I don't remember that. Well, that was early. That was early on, right? Um, but m most people would say, if we did a consensus, they would say First and Second Samuel. Say, oh, I love that. Well, think about First uh, and Second Samuel. We read, we we study about David, and David's a man after God's own heart. But uh, David was flawed, and sometimes we read those these Bible heroes, these godly people. And we find out they're just like us. They have clay feet and they fail and they fall and they get in the flesh, right? And they do stupid things. You know, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us do stupid things? I've done ridiculous things. Yeah, I said you don't have to raise your hand. The real humble people are raising their hands now, right? Um, yeah, it's um, David, the whole Bathsheba thing. Doesn't it just throw it all off, right? But what does narrative text do? It tells us what happened. It's history. It doesn't tell us what should have happened. So that's something we have to remember as we study uh, narrative text. Okay, and so we're going to review those over and over again. So by the time we finish this, those things are going to be like in your mind, and that's the, that's the hope, okay? So um, the homework was to look at Joshua chapter 7, verses 1 uh, through 26, the, the whole chapter of Joshua, and use those observation, and then in, in, you take the things that we, we learned and what we've, uh, investigate and found and we interpret what's the main point, what's this, what's the meaning of the text and then that rolls right into application. Okay, we're going to do that. Um, come on in. Got three more. We got, we got, we got, it, we got, it, we got, it, we, got it, we got seats right here. Alright, so, um, alright, so what are we going to do firstly? What are we going to do? You're going to read it. Yeah, we're going to read it in just a second really quickly. But um, in observation, what do we do? In observation phase, what do we do? Yeah, we bombard it with questions. So what we're trying to do is figure out the context. Okay, we're asking questions. Who, what, when, why, where? Okay, who wrote Joshua? Don't, don't answer real quickly. Don't answer real quickly. Yeah, we don't know, really. I mean, you know, we don't know. It's named Joshua, but that's kind of like saying Timothy wrote Timothy, you know. Um, yeah, you did it. Yeah, you did do your homework, James. Uh, even though the dog ate it. Um, yeah, we're asking all these questions: who, when, when, why, where? And so we're trying to figure out the kind. Of, so if you had time, you know, you would read through the book. And, and sometimes it's it's helpful. You can have a Bible handbook or a, a study Bible, and it'll tell you a lot of those things. It'll outline it. Um, yeah, not really sure. Um, but who's the who's the book about? It's about the. Yeah, it's about the Israelites, all right? When does it take place? Hmm? Yeah, when, when does it take place? What's going on in redemptive history? Well, they reached the promised land. They were trying to get in. They yeah, yeah. 
Okay, now when, you, when you're looking at the, the books of the Bible, what happens is the book of Joshua picks up where the book of Deuteronomy left off. Well, who, who wrote the book of Deuteronomy? Moses. Moses, yeah, Moses didn't write the book of Joshua. You know how we know that? He was not alive. Um, yeah, so, um, so Joshua is, who is Joshua? And he's one of the main characters. We say, who, who's the book about? Well, it's about God, but it's about Joshua. It's about the Israelites. It's about... Yeah, yeah, he was one of the 12 spies. Great. Yeah, yeah, we got him. Come on. Chris Wilkes right there. Chris Wilkes and then Lonnie right there. Go on around. All right. Um, okay, real quickly, real quickly, okay. He was Moses' assistant, you remember? He was, uh, when, when Moses went to the, the, the temple and uh, the, 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 the Shekinah glory that fell on the temple, where was Joshua? He was right there. In fact, when Moses would leave, what did Joshua do? He would do what we probably would want to do too. He just hung out there, right? He was somehow, and I, I can't figure it all out because at times Aaron's with him. If you, can, if you know the answer can help me with this, I would love to hear your explanation. When, when Moses goes up on the Mount Sinai, they, they rescued from Egypt. I'm so excited about doing the, the Bible story after we get finished with this because it's going to help so, so, so many of us. He, they leave Egypt. They've been redeemed. They're headed to the promised land, the land that God promised Abraham that his descendants would have. On the way, they stop off at Mount Sinai and they receive the law. Aaron goes up and he's with Moses part of the time, but then Joshua's with him part of the time too, and I can't figure out that. Mm -hmm. Who was with was both of them, or you know? So anyway, that's a little homework. Somebody wants to dig into that, help me with that. Um, Joshua was, was was Moses' right hand man, his sidekick, and he took over when Moses sinned and couldn't go in the promised land. Joshua took the lead, and he led the Israelites into the promised land. And the first four or five chapters, over and over again, what does God tell Joshua not to do? Don't fear. Don't fear. Don't fear. It's a pretty big deal. Uh, Moses has been the leader. Now Joshua the leader. Don't fear. Don't fear. Don't fear. You know? Um, uh, yeah. What's the, all right, so this is the far context. We talk about what's the context. This is the far context. Where does this fit in redemptive history? Okay? What is the, uh, what is the, the, um, the near context? And that was good that you brought that up, James. Um, the 12 spies went in. Joshua and Caleb were two of them. All of them said, we can't do it. They're, the people are too big. They'll kill us. We're like grasshoppers compared to them. But Joshua and Caleb were like, no, we can do it. The Lord said we, he'll give it to us. We can do it. And so because of that, 40 years, they wandered in the desert. Everybody, that whole generation died. Joshua and Caleb is the only ones of that generation that got to go into the promised land. Anything else in that regard that we need to remember? I think it would help us with this near context. They crossed the Jordan. What was significant about crossing the Jordan? It was a Red Sea experience because it was flood stage. They walked across on dry land. Miraculous. The priest went across. They had the ark on it. They hit the water and it... Yeah, just miraculous. It was Red Sea. Uh, the, good, Missy. The second Red Sea experience, really, for the Israelites. But what did God? Are they going into? Are they like a mighty army? No. No. There's nothing mighty about them. The only thing mighty about them was their God, and they knew that. 
And so they, they go into the promised land to conquer it, and God's keep telling them, I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to be like hornets driving them out. Uh, and it, but he gave them certain things there to do, right? Certain commands. And one of those, look at, the, as far as the near context, look at verse 18 and 19 of chapter 6. They're, they're at Jericho. This is the near context. You know, when you look right, the, the right, what's happening right before this chapter, they're entered in the promised land and they're going, to def, they're going up against Jericho. Jericho is a big old fortified city. And so he's giving them instructions on how they're going to take this city. Somebody read 18 and 19 for us. Did you keep yourselves from the things of those destruction lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make a camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. Okay. So he's telling them when they go in there and they defeat this, this place, you know, usually you take the spoils, right? All the good things you take with you. But he's like, eh, we're not taking anything, we're killing everything. Wiping it all out. But all these, these expensive things we're going to take and put in the treasure of the Lord. So they march around Jericho seven times. The walls come tumbling down. Everybody, everybody was annihilated with the exception of who? Rahab and her family. Rahab and family, she's in Hebrews chapter 11. Figure that out, man. That's something. Uh, but Rahab it was spared, and all the other people were, were, were killed. So that's the near context. That's what's happened. Okay. Anything else near context we need to know? Okay, real quickly, let's, um, um, let's read this real quickly. Uh, I'll just start. When I stop, you pick it up, and then we're going to, uh, I want you to share some things that you found out, Cindy, from your reading. Observation, observation, and we're going to go into interpretation and then application. Real quickly, but the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things. And the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth Haven, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. The men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men went up from there, from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about thirty-six of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan? O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut us off uh, Cut, us, cut off our name from the earth, and what will uh, you do for your great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Rise up. Why is it that you have fallen on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. And they have even taken some of the things under the ban, and have both stolen and deceived. Moreover, they have also put them among their own things. Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become a curse. 
I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy the things under the ban from your midst. Rise up, consecrate the people, and say, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, for thus the Lord, the God of Israel, has said, There are things under the ban in your midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies if you have removed the things under the ban from your midst. In the morning, then, you shall come near by your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes by lot shall come near by families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come near by households, and the households which the Lord takes shall come near man by man. It shall be that the one who is taken with the things under the ban shall be burned with fire. He and all that belongs to him, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has committed a disgraceful thing in Israel. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel nearby their tribes. The tribe of Judah was selected. He brought near the family of Judah, and he selected the family of the Zerahites. He brought near the family of the Zerahites man by man, and Zabdi was selected. He brought near his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, was selected. Joshua said to Achan, My son, please give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and make confession to him. Tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan answered Joshua and said, I have truly sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful Babylonian robe, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them and took them. Behold, they are hidden in the ground in the middle of my tent with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. And they took them out of the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the people of Israel. They laid them down before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold, and his sons and daughters, and his oxen and donkeys and sheep, and his tent and all that he had. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones and that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Israel. Okay. So what did you, what did you observe? When, what we just read just now, or if you did homework and you spent some time with it, what, what, do, we, what do we see? What do we observe? We already answered some of those things by way of context, but what do you see here? God's sovereignty specifically when I read it I thought why didn't he just tell them who it was mm-hmm. God the Proverbs the, the, the lot is cost in the lot but it's every turn is determined by the Lord yeah. and he's telling them to cast lots to be to reveal to them yeah. and the question is Lord why did you do it this way and I don't know It's he's yeah. ordaining the means as well as the end yeah. because obviously yeah. he knew that his means to reveal that yeah. to him was bring them and cast lots and yeah. I feel yeah. basically narrow it all the way down yeah yeah, I mean, think about Achan. He did it. Did a lot of people know about that? No, it was probably like a secret thing. But are there any secrets? No. God knows all things. Yeah, what else? Good. I thought it was interesting that the, uh, the guilty person came out of the tribe of Judah, where Jesus comes from. Yeah, 
Come to the tribe of Judah. And he had a little conditional thing there. I will be with you no more unless you're destroyed. Yeah, think about this. This is really important. I think it's going to help with interpretation. They're in the midst of a people who are mightier than they are. What do they need in order to survive? God. And what's happened because of this sin of Achan, God wasn't with them. It's like David fighting the nine-foot Goliath with all the armor. What's going to happen if God's not with them? He's not going to survive. Yeah. That's what stood out to me, the near context, and then that, I mean, it's a fortified city that there was no way they could take, and Jericho, the walls fall down by marching around it. And then AI or I is so weak, they're like, just send 3,000 guys, it's easy. And then they're whooped because God's not with them. How many people lost their lives? Why, why, did, why did they lose their lives? Because of turban, some silver coins, and a bar of gold. Because he, yeah, he lived his life like this for that moment, saying, huh? I'm not worried about what you want. I'm going to do what I want. I also thought it was interesting that Joshua didn't recognize that he wasn't with them, but he was more embarrassed that the Canaanites might think that they were Well, I don't think he's embarrassed. He is deathly afraid. Remember, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. All of a sudden, he's afraid because they catch wind of this. I mean, think about, think about uh, Rahab. What did she say when the spies came in? We're shaking our boots. I mean, their God was mightier than the God of Jericho. But that's, that's real important. Joshua is, a, is recognizing if, you know, they recognize that we're weak, we're, we're done for. We need the Lord. Well, nobody, nobody was killed before. Yeah. Lost yet. Yeah. And one guy defies God's instruction. And the whole nation, is, the whole, uh, yep. the whole nation, was under the judgment for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yep. That's actually referenced, I think, in Hebrews 12 again, when God's talking about it's, it's the association with uh, with sin. Anyway, yeah. I, I think it's important to note that it, it was only Achan, but yeah. God was uh, holding them all responsible. Yeah. Yeah. And if He had not. Um, I don't know what would have happened, but it, it wouldn't have been <laughs> yeah. uh, as emphasized, I guess. But yeah. it was important to note that it was a really... You think about the temptation in that situation of taking something in that. In, in that. Yeah. You know, how much gold and all that they had. And yeah. He thought he was going to get away with it. Yeah. Wasn't his family killed also? Yeah. Yeah. They were stoned and burned. And everything that he owned. And, and the things that he took. Um, What's the lesson there? Well, we'll get to that. We're, we're still we're still observing. We're still observing. <laughs> we're getting, hey, that that's no. Listen, listen. That's what happens. <laughs> that's what happens. That's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping we learn from this study. It's 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 funny because I meet with a couple guys. They don't go to our church, and we talk about this, and they're always, oh, well, it means this, and we need to do this. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's watch and let's observe it. And so I know you've done that homework and we've read through it and we don't have a whole lot of time, so we're all going to move forward. But that's a lesson learned. We always try to, and I, and I do it too, we all do it. Especially as a preacher, if you're a small group leader, you like to, you're discipling people, you're, you're reading it and you're saying, oh, I'm going to share this with so-and-so, that'll be good for them. <laughs> you know, we get in preacher mode. You know, it's like, well, let's, let's see what the text says and let's make sure we understand what it means and then we can get about, you know, into application. Anything else? Um, 
just like super stubborn and hard about this because surely you're, t I mean, after like they go through all of these lots, you're not starting to think to yourself, if I confess, maybe they'll go easier on me. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. You had to get down yeah. so low. Yeah. And you knew the whole time you yeah. were so guilty. Like. Yeah. Well, and, but, but it's interesting when, when Joshua says, you're the man, you know, it's kind of like David, uh, Nathan did with David, you're the man. He says, hey, this is what I did and this is where you can find it. You know, and you think, well, it's, 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 he must not have faith in God. You know, and is, is he in heaven? You know, those kind of questions we can't really answer. We're like, well, I don't know, you know, but he, he confessed that, but he suffered judgment because of his sin, right? Um, and, and what happened after he was, what happened after he was put to death? What happened after he was put to death? Yeah, did they, did they lose another battle? Not for a while. Yeah, okay, so what's the, what's, so we move all of that into interpreting. Okay, why is this story put here? Why did God inspire this author to put this story here? What does he want us to know? What does this story mean? Why is this story here? I, I think you're exactly, you read my notes, didn't you? You come in here? Without the Lord, we are doomed. And there's a lot of other things. There's a lot of other things. Hey, our sin affects, my sin affects John. John's sin affects me. My sin affects Marianne. Yeah, we see that too, right? But I think given the, the, the story, you know, where we are in context, without the Lord, they're doomed. And if you rebel against the Lord, you're on your own. Right? Anything else? Also, how serious God, He wants them know how serious he takes what he tells them to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like the you know, it's just like the tabernacle. Do it this way, exactly this way. Worship in this way, right? Yeah. Okay. So we we we've, we've observed interpretation. Okay, we think we kind of narrowed down this is the, this is the why this is here. Right, so what do we do? And we've already alluded to some of those things. See, those things kind of they overlap, you know. What do we do? What do you do? Obey God, because God hates sin. What else? Come on, quickly. Confess when we don't. Yeah. Confess to the Lord. Confess to one another, right? What else? Fear God. Praise God for Jesus. Hey, Achan died, and the, and the Lord shows back up. Hey, there is a, there's the gospel there, right? Hey, somebody paid for our sin debt. Now, Achan paid for his own sin, right? He was judged for his own sin, but Jesus was judged for ours. Yeah, gospel right in there, right? Not to assume something from the text that doesn't say by way of application, it, it certainly shows the difference between confessing when you're caught and confessing before it's been revealed. Sure. It's obviously easier to trust that confession is genuine when somebody comes and it's not been revealed, yep. it's not been made evident. Yep. He did confess, but he confessed after he had been publicly revealed to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thirty-six people lost their lives. It's pretty, pretty serious, right? Application questions: uh, Does the passage point out a sinful behavior or attitude that needs to be confessed? Yeah. Do we lust after things that are forbidden? Yeah, we do, don't we? There's a lot of things we we desire things that aren't forbidden. Is there an example to follow? Does the passage highlight an aspect of God's nature and character that we should praise Him for? What, what? You said sovereignty, right? His, 
Justice is omniscience. He knows it. What else? Only 36 people died. I mean, that's terrible. Could have been a lot more, right? Okay. You know, is there a truth to believe? Is there a prayer to repeat? Is there a verse to memorize? You know, those questions. Proving through there's not anything that stands out. But So we kind of understand application there for this book. Okay. All right, real quickly. The Gospels. That's a narrative text, right? Now, Gospel is a narrative text as well. Gospel is a narrative text or story about Jesus from the personal experiences of the apostles. Or if you don't want to write all that chapel, you can just say it's a story about Jesus. The gospel is a narrative text. So all the things that apply to a gospel will apply to, I mean, apply to a narrative text applies to a gospel. What are the gospels? Yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? Here's some unique characteristics we should remember when studying the gospels, okay? Number one, the gospels are not complete biographies. They don't cover the whole life of Jesus, right? All right? Real quick, we're going to peruse through these... Um, and I, I'm going to give you next week, I'm going to give you a review sheet that you'll have so you can have with you. Um, yeah, it's not, I mean, we, we're not told about Jesus' childhood very much, right? There's a lot of things we're not, not told, okay? Uh, Jesus did many other mir miraculous signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Jesus did many other signs as well. If every one of them was written down, I suppose that, not even, that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. about the Gospels. Often the writers of the Gospels compile their writing topically, not chronologically. So sometimes we read the Gospels and we're thinking they're all chronological. And sometimes they are, of course. Parts of it are, but, but parts of it aren't. Matthew chapter 8 and chapter 9, it's... But anyway. So that's something to, to keep in mind. Remember that the Gospels are, are four different accounts of the same story. Four of us saw one thing happen. We'll all explain it. It'll be, you know, similar, but it'll be different. Notice how much attention is given to certain events. This is how the author shows relevance. An example? Anything come to mind? Uh, Palm, Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Okay. Yeah, think about this. John chapter 1 through 11, three years, 20 through... Chapters 20 through, uh, 12 through 20 is seven days. What's kind of important? That, week. that last week. Yeah, Mark's the same way. The majority of the book, the, you know, half the book is seven days of Jesus' life. I think that seven days is pretty important. We're, we're fixing to get to study that too here pretty quick. Pay attention to the author's comments. I think James said that earlier. That's all throughout the Bible, every genre. Sometimes the author will just make comments, right? They often give us clues to how to interpret the text. Again, interpret each story in light of what precedes it and what follows it. You know, don't just take a, a something, what, what led up to this, right? In Mark chapter 9, Jesus calms the, the storm. And what disciples say? Who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And then you know what he does in the next chapter, next two chapters? He explains who Jesus is, right? Yeah. What does it teach us about Jesus? The Gospels are about Jesus. The Bible's about God. The Gospel's about the Son, right? Ask what the author is trying to communicate by the order in which he's arranged the events. Sometimes the order is important. We'll look at some of that next week. But here's your homework. 